Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Dorn. And this week on Pit Pass, we have Sean Bice and Paul Carruthers from Moto America. And speaking of which, we are very excited to announce that Pit Pass Moto is now officially sponsored by Moto America, the official AMA road racing series for the USA, led by 190 plus mile an hour super bikes, a 10 race weekend series at top tracks, including Road America, Laguna Seca, Indianapolis, Road Atlanta, all day racing five classes each day including super bikes super stock stock 1000 twins cup and junior cup racing moto america includes family fun zones with kids zones free carnival games stunt shows electric kids bicycles and of course kids 16 and under are free with a paying adult Various ticket packages are available, including VIP. If you really want to take advantage of a day at the track, you also have three-day camping passes, race grid passes, and pit lane access packages all available. There's always an open race paddock, so you can meet over 120 riders for autographs and pictures. If you can't attend live, you can always go to Moto America Live Plus for all-day streaming. That's live. You can watch that on your phone. I've done it from work. You also have FS2. You get live Saturday and Sunday superbike races. Those are live. Then in the days after the race weekend is completed, you get Moto America Rewind and Junior Cup class on FS2, plus Supersport class coverage on MAV TV. Plus, the backstory and technology insights are on the program Inside Moto America on NBCSN. Check all of that out on MotoAmerica.com for broadcast schedules. This week's trivia question on Pit Pass is name four motorcycle manufacturers that produced internal combustion engines that did not use pistons. Very crucial component in most internal combustion engines, but there are some types that don't use pistons, so name the four manufacturers that produced them. Well, on Pit Pass today, we've got two of the key players from uh, 
our nation's greatest uh, professional road racing organization, that being Moto America. We have today with us both Sean Bice and Paul Carruthers. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us on Pit Pass. I want to give you each a moment. Let's start with you, Sean. Again, thank you for joining us. How about you let uh, our listeners know what your role is in Moto America as we are all racing fans here on Pit Pass? You know, it's funny. I remember being on, oh, well, hello, by the way. I remember being on with you guys a while back and I, I couldn't really define, I, I didn't have a title then and I guess I still don't, but I call myself, you know, kind of a sidekick to Paul, but, you know, a storyteller as well. I try to mine as many stories as I can within our paddock and write stories for the website and post things on social media. But you know, probably, I can't say I'm probably Moto America's biggest fan, but one of the biggest fans who actually works with them for a living. So, you know, that that's the best way to define, I guess, my role without it being uh, just a title. Storytelling is what you do. So thank you for that, Sean. And uh, I will now introduce Paul Carruthers, also a great part of Moto America. Welcome, Paul. And uh, let's talk about what you're doing for Moto America currently. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. I work on social media, um, the press releases. It's myself, Sean Bice, and Doug Hammond. We have a pretty solid little team, the, the three of us, as far as, you know, we communicate daily throughout the day, making sure everybody's up on what they're doing and, and such. But uh, yeah, I'm in charge of the communications department, and that department would be me, Sean, and, and Doug. Everything from social media to press releases at the events, obviously the social media increases there's press conferences, more press releases. It's not really hard to explain, but but there's a lot more to it than I can just, you know, verbalize right now. But yeah, it's kind of fun. It's like Sean mentioned, you know, we just want to go some see, see some motorcycle <laughs> racing. So hopefully that comes up here pretty quick. Yeah, that's what we're all hoping for. So that segues wonderfully into, and I'll let whomever uh, feels most capable or uh, interested in answering talk about what does the future of our annual Motor, Moto America Superbike and Supporting Class Race Series look like? What is the first, currently, I presume there's some line in the sand for every single event that's been on the calendar as far as postponing or in the unfortunate event, having to cancel, what's the next event that people could reasonably think this might happen and certainly would be the, the, the first one to happen for this season uh, if it does? Well, we have our fingers crossed on Road America. I think it'd be a wonderful place to start our season at the end of May. But again, I think the only attitude we can take with all these events is we just we plan on having them until we're told we can't. And that's the case with uh, with Road America as well. I don't. I mean, it's just a, it's one of those things. that's very difficult to to predict because things are changing all the time. I mean, everything from um, you know every every local government's basically seemingly on their own at this point as far as the decisions they make on on the social distancing. I know California it, we're still really strict about it, but then I saw this morning that there's some other states that have already started to. Uh, to lessen the amount of social distancing that their residents have to uh, abide by. So again, I think, you know, the, the, the ball's probably going to fall at some point, you know, in, in, in Road America's hands as far as what they're allowed to do on the local level. It's really difficult because of the fact that, I mean, we want to, we want to hold on to events as long as we can, but we also have to ensure for our teams and our riders and such that, you know, 
when we, if, when we are forced to pull the plug, that we do it early enough that nobody goes to any expense that, you know, that they have to cancel and, and, and potentially lose money on. So all we're doing now is, is we're just, we're just set on road America and we just have to wait and see. Unfortunately, that's, I mean, it, basically the world as it is right now is the, the fact that it is a wait and see. One of the things I think we do have going for us is compared to somebody like MotoGP or World Superbike, anybody that comes to our events or that, that participates in our events is already here. I mean, in other words, the, their problem is going to be with international travel and engineers coming from Japan and teams coming from Italy and riders coming from all over the place. We don't have that per se. Our international riders that do race with us are here already, so I think that's a big help. But again, we're just at the we're just at the mercy of the virus and and what happens with it. Yeah, and I think to add to that a, a little bit, PJ as well to what Paul said, we have the luxury of we have ten rounds in our season, and we're we're sticking to try to have ten rounds. That's what we're still planning to do. So unlike uh, I guess World Superbike, but even more MotoGP, their season goes a lot longer than ours anyway. So the longer we delay our, the start of our season, we can still get our rounds in there. You know, for the most part, we have 20 races on the season. Certainly for Superbike, we do, you know, two races every round. So it's 10 rounds. But in some ways, I, I sometimes think when we go to like, I don't know, Atlanta or Virginia early in the year, it, it's almost sometimes a little bit too early weather-wise. And it's not going to be so bad to be a little bit later in the season, later in the year, because, you know, for me here in Ohio, where I live, fall is the best time to ride a motorcycle. And most of the time, the fall is better weather than the iffy weather about spring. So I, I just think we've still got a good opportunity to get all 10 of our rounds in because of the way our season's set up to work. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Certainly, there are events uh, that I've been to, uh, including Austin, for that matter, where weather really played into it uh, in various years. So, yes, it's good news. I'm sure the tracks, uh, you guys are probably in direct contact with them. Are they, I would have to believe, pretty flexible because they want to have some livelihood as well and uh, use their facilities for what they're made for. Yeah, I think part of the problem, too, is the fact that we go to these tracks and a lot of them have other forms of racing at the tracks. So unfortunately, we're all kind of in the same boat as far as trying to reschedule. So it is a little bit more difficult than that. I mean, one of our partners, Chuck Axland, I know that's been the focus of his of his entire season so far is because of these reschedules and and things like that that uh, that keeps him extremely busy. But a lot of that is caused by like, okay, you know, Indianapolis Motor Speedway has to deal with more than just us and IndyCar. They have other events as well. Same for the Road, road Americas and, you know, all the tracks we go to, other road racing organizations use those facilities. So it's a matter of putting all the pieces together and, and making it work for everybody. So it, it gets a bit difficult. Yeah, and you think, you think about, you take the individual tracks that you're talking about, we do stay in, in contact with them, particularly Road America, because it's where our first round is going to be. And uh, the PR guy there who has been on a pit pass a few times, you might remember his name, John Everett. He's real active in PR for them. And we're, we've been in contact with them. And of course, they're as anxious and wanting to get have our race weekend there as we are to get our season started. So he's a great partner to be involved in. He's very active and, you know, we've got that benefit as well. So um, hopefully I I'd read the other day that the governor of Wisconsin has their isolation or whatever until the 26th 
of May, well, we're, our, that, our race is the following weekend. So the question is, is it a hard stop on the 26th? Is everybody going to be able to kind of be involved? But we've got a few contingencies in place for how that round might go if we're able to have it. So um, we're, we're definitely planning it all out, certainly with Road America and the other tracks down the road. I had seen the exact same thing, Wisconsin being a neighboring state. We get updates about them. So it's interesting to think and, again, be very hopeful that this is going to go off. If my group of uh, racing fan friends uh, is any indication, there are a lot of people that want to be there. And I think they would have uh, an actual turnout for an event if uh, they're able to, if if you and uh, the track are able to get something together that is going to be allowed to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think people are going to be so uh, so excited to be able to to be allowed to go to these events. I, I think we're going to have uh, I think we'll have a good crowd no matter where we end up starting. But Road America, especially, we always have a good crowd there, and I I anticipate would it would be even higher than normal. You get stuck in your house and and you're itching to get out, especially back there where you guys don't have the best weather. It's like when 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 you finally pull that garage, your motorcycle out of the garage and get to ride it. I mean, it's the same thing this time. Uh, this time, it's about racing. So yeah, I'm sure people are chomping at the bit to get uh, to get to the events. And as we are, it's it's you know, it's, our business is motorcycle racing events, and it's kind of hard when you just when you're not having any. So yeah, and you know, we're in a little bit of an enviable position, of course, with our sport because. You take a stick and ball sport, whether it's baseball or, or even football coming up. I mean, everybody's in a, a ballpark or an arena. You're, you're, you can't really do six foot distancing. And in our, in our sport, especially at Road America, it's a massive track. It's one of the biggest tracks we go to. And you can have a lot of people at that track and it doesn't, you know, and then you can certainly have social distancing if you need to have that. It's a, it's a pretty great sport for people to be outside and enjoy the excitement that's there, but also keep a little distance from your neighbor, so to speak. That was kind of the point I wanted to make about our sport. Yeah. And I find that to be accurate. And yes, I'm thinking forward in the season to other scheduled events. You'd mentioned Indianapolis, but that is an, a truly epic in size venue uh, where I think it would also be relatively easy, even for spectators in the stands, because I've been there for, I was there for every MotoGP event and including the 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 superbike events that partnered with them it would have been no problem in the at the peak i don't think to really keep uh, some safe distancing what do you th- i mean i i look forward to that event as it's kind of a new one it's been off the calendar for quite some time yeah i think we're looking forward to that one too i know i know when we've been there and paul can speak to this we went there it was with Cameron Bobier and Josh Hayes a, a few years ago. You know, it was during the Indy 500, and that, of course, the grandstands were packed there. But with our events that have been there, and, and Paul can talk about this. I mean, it's the same kind of social distancing, wouldn't you say, Paul? Yeah, 100. percent It's. Uh, I mean, that's one of the. That's one of the. It's a new round. We have two new rounds this year. We have that, and we have uh, the Ridge, which is in the Pacific Pacific Northwest, which we haven't raced at yet. But we were in Indy in 2015, and. I mean, the, the facility is amazing and it's just, I don't know, you just get a special feeling when you walk into that place. Not to mention, like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that area. Maybe, maybe Ohio is the same because Sean's pretty nice as well. But the, <laughs> people are, the people are just amazingly friendly from, from the security guard that, you, you know, at most places they're there to yell at you. And at Indy, they, you know, they, they want to give you a hug. So it's a special place, and, and it's one of the events that we, we really look forward to getting to uh, getting back to this year. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the Ridge and the Pacific Northwest event. I've known for for years that uh, the Pacific Northwest had a is a hotbed for road racing, specifically uh, fans. There's a lot of sport up there. There's a group of guys uh, that I first really started understanding there was a lot of people up there wanting to road race that were racing vintage Hondas. They started out racing like CL-175s or something. There was a whole group of guys. And then I came to find out through racing that, you know, there's clearly organized uh, events up there. They have their own road racing series, uh, amateur series. So I think that's going to be a great event for Moto America. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Paul, you can speak to this better than me, but I, I can't remember if the AMA's ever had a, an event up there. I'm pretty sure WIRA or Formula USA would go to maybe Portland at one time. Is that true? Yeah, it's funny. When I first started at Cycle News, two of the events I did, I think in my first year, they were kind of, uh, they're AMA races, but they weren't national they call them, I don't know if they were pro-ams or whatever, but I mean, I went to, it was like, I think they were back-to-back, so I ended up staying up there with some friends, but I went to Portland and Dale Quarterly won a superbike race, and then the next weekend or the weekend prior, there was a race in Kent, Washington, and it's actually a track my father raced at, so it has been there forever. Wayne Rainey and Kevin Schwantz and those guys were all there racing in that race, so it was kind of cool, so, but honestly, I think that was probably the last time. Yeah, and you're right, uh, PJ, about that area. I mean, we think, you know, Steve Baker, the the first world champion that the U.S. ever had, he was a Formula 750 champion before even Kenny Roberts. He was, he's from that, the Washington area, still lives up there. So it is, it is a hotbed for sure of, of racing. And it's nice that we're going to be in that, that region. So what are you guys most excited about um, the first event we've discussed? But what, I mean, there's been a, a fair bit of change in the Moto America series, uh, new developments, I guess I shouldn't just say change, but just new developments. You guys have introduced some new things, it seems, for this year. We've got a few new things. The Mini Cup by Motul for one of them. I'm excited about that, and I know Sean is as well. We kind of got a taste of it last year at Pittsburgh when we had uh, one of their races coincide with ours. It's really amazing to see. It's funny because we have the Liquid Molly Junior Cup, and those kids, are they start at 14, which is which is a fun experience because you get to see these kids when they're when they're shy and and not really sure what they're doing and you get to watch them as they progress through the Moto America series until they're you know well spoken young adults with the mini cup it's a whole nother side because these kids are you know eight nine ten eleven years old and I don't know I just think it'll be it'll be a lot of fun to watch that as well Sean can talk a little bit about. Uh, about the other stuff we've got going on. We're pretty excited about a little extra event there at Laguna Seca that we're going to have. So we're going to have this um, Drag Specialist King of the Baggers Invitational, which I will be honest and say, I think even Paul and I initially were like, what? What's that all about? Because <laughs> we do know Definitely. baggers. We don't necessarily either either of us ride them, but we see them out there. And we both were kind of thinking, you're going to run that down through the corkscrew <laughs> with your feet in front of you and those footboards. But I've been actually getting into it pretty pretty well because uh, one of our people that's involved in it, Lance Bryson, has uh, been feeding us information and photos, and we've been in touch with some of the teams. And, you know, it's one of those things you probably have had this happen, PJ. I'm sure Paul has too. You know, you tell somebody that doesn't know what you do, you know, some, or you tell somebody you're a motorcyclist. And, 
you know, or you see somebody out there and you have these levels, right? It's like, okay, we all ride motorcycles. Then it kind of breaks down to your sport bike rider, you ride off road or you, you ride cruisers and you find out if they're a Harley person or a Kawasaki person or a Honda or whatever. And, you know, it, it, when it comes right down to it, we are, we all love motorcycles. We, we love the aspects of them being two wheels. And I've gotten into some of the enjoying writing about some of the specs of these bikes I mean, they have some massive engines on these things and uh, the, the, the work that they're putting into them is, you know, incredible. Some of the performance aspects and one of the things we have not announced yet, except last week we had Ben Bostrom on our own podcast and Ben actually announced that he's going to be a rider, one of the riders in this invitational. And we've heard oh, some rumors. Awesome. Yeah. And we've heard some rumors about some of the other riders that are involved. And when we finally announce the riders, it's going to be interesting to watch quality talented riders ride these motorcycles so it's gonna be great yeah that's that's terribly exciting i uh was the first one to come into the know that that was going to happen at my dealership so i shared it as a lot of our sales department ride harleys they immediately were stunned and thought it was awesome and can't wait to see it so i have to make sure that i have the dealership set up so that we can watch it live yeah, we're excited about that particular event. And yes, I've heard some of the names coming out. Uh, Bostrom, get him on a motorcycle. A guy who knows his way around a, a Harley V-Twin. That's right. at speed. So it's going to be awesome to see. I can't wait for that event. Yeah. You know, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, and Paul can touch on this too, is, you know, we've had, you mentioned some changes in our series this year. And some of the teams, for instance, in Superbike have changed a little bit. We still have... Most of the same riders involved, but things are a little different now. Tony Elias and Bobby Fong are now with M4 X-Star Suzuki, which is kind of the de facto Suzuki factory team. And Monster Energy Yamaha, uh, Monster Energy Attack Performance Yamaha, which is being run by Richard Stamboli and Attack, is the de facto factory Yamaha team as well with uh, Cameron Bobier, the defended champion, and Jake Gagne. We've got some of the players have moved around a little bit. Some of the names have changed. But for the most part, we're still going to have those compelling stories to tell about the, the competitiveness of our series. And one of the things we take a lot of pride in is the margins of victory in our races are, are just razor thin all the time and i think we're going to still have those compelling stories this year in those those uh, photo finishes as well wouldn't you say paul yeah i'm excited about that it's um you know it's not it's not massive changes for those guys to have a different team because the bikes are obviously very similar or the exact same to what they raced last year but it still kind of brings a little intrigue into it just because of the fact that it is new, so there's going to be some different faces that are not used to. There's going to be a little process, I think, of those guys getting totally comfortable with, with the new teams after being with the old teams for so long. Obviously, Jake Gagne is not, not in that boat because he hasn't been with that Yamaha team for this entire time like, uh, like Cameron has. But I think it'll be fun to watch because I think it might not give those guys the advantage that they normally start the season with on everybody else. If you understand what I'm saying, they're still the best guys on the best teams, but I still just don't think it's going to be such a big step to 
you know, that secondary level team, which I think in turn is going to make the racing even more exciting. Yeah. And we've even heard from some of the teams. I mean, this is kind of a little off the record, but I won't name teams or, or people who said this, but I think a lot of the other teams now feel like maybe the, the playing field is leveled a little bit. You take Kyle Wyman or Matthew Skoltz with Westby Racing. Steve Scheibe has Josh Heron. So like I said, the names and names have moved around. There's been a little bit of musical chairs, but I think because the, the two overlords are the top dogs in the Yamaha team and the Suzuki team, there might be, they maybe they've come back to the pack a little bit and, and these other teams might get up there and, you know, make it an even more competitive series than we already have. And of course, we're specific to the Superbike class. There's a lot of compelling stories in all five of our classes, but that's certainly some, a point I wanted to make or we wanted to make. Well, we're excited for all of it. And myself, along with uh, the entire Pit Pass Nation, and I'm sure you gentlemen are ecstatically awaiting um, racing. That is what we all hope is going to happen. I want to thank you both for joining us today on Pit Pass. and want to say thank you again for sponsoring Pit Pass. We appreciate it. Our fans appreciate it. Our listeners. So thank you for everything you do and keep up the hard work. We look forward to you bringing us your product. I think it's a good deal that we're going to help you guys out and sponsor you guys. You know, one thing about the motorcycle industry is that I think everybody everybody rallies around each other. And, and it, you know, if we can help you guys and you can help us, I, there's no negative towards that. Right on. Well, thank you again both for joining us on Pit Pass. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again, hopefully at a race soon. Thank you. Yeah, it'll be at a race and it's going to be soon, I promise. This week's trivia question answer. Name the four motorcycle manufacturers that produced internal combustion engines that did not use pistons. And the answer is number one, Hercules. Number two, Suzuki. Number three, Norton. And number four, Yamaha using Wankel rotary engines. A la Mazda RX-7s are the most recent utilization of the Wankel rotary that one might see in public, but there were experiments with those motorcycle companies trying to use them in motorcycles. Clearly they didn't pan out over the long term, but they were interesting at the time. And it's uh, good to see that engineers never stop working. Thank you again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. Of course, make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as pitpassmoto.com. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. We'd like to say a special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm PJ Doran, and we'll see you next week at Pit Pass or hopefully at a track somewhere soon. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1. 
a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. <laughs>